2: Welcome. Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline.
0: For the weekend of Friday, August 6th, 2021, it's our 26th year on the air on the radio the original social media, if you will. Welcome into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chris Graveline. Some tech news and commentary before we get back to more of your calls. And we want you to participate. We also want you to be sure and always check your spam filters. Because not only some of our listeners have found our prize emails in their spam folders for some strange reason, while we're trying to send you prizes, or even our tech newsletter once or twice has ended up in somebody's spam filters. But because you might have other folks that you wonder, why do I never hear from them? Well, maybe they somehow ended up in your spam folder. So check it out. Mark them as not spam and live happily ever after. It'll certainly warm the cockles of our heart. Yeah, there you go. Maybe in an effort to avoid the are we there yet constant questions from your kids, Swedish eye tracking company SmartEye says they could play a major role in supporting vehicle safety by tracking the mindset of drivers. Hmm. Intervening in disruptions like the kids arguing or complaining and helping to prevent distracted driving. They say they can do that within a decade, according to their CEO. I don't know how they're going to get into our
1: minds, but they are. Mine's a pretty interesting place. Oh, (laughs) God. Interesting. It's an understatement. Bring the popcorn. Yeah, there you go. Sit back. Amazon has launched a smart soap dispenser with a 20-second timer to make sure you're washing your hands up to the CDC standards because we all know that they know exactly what they're doing. Uh Uh, The 12-ounce soap dispenser supports Alexa and costs $55. (laughs) What What idiot is going to spend $55 on a soap dispenser? I don't know. Uh, The device automatically dispenses soap as an LED timer ticks down, according to the product page on Amazon. In addition, the gadget features variable dispensing, meaning that the farther your hand is from the nozzle, the more soap you'll get. The dispenser also only works with liquid hand soap, of course. Uh, Well, you don't shove a bar in it? I guess as opposed to foaming hand soap. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, The Amazon Smart Soap Dispenser's battery reportedly lasts for three months on a single charge. Ooh, three whole months. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. $55. They they lost me at the $55 price tag. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, why would I need
0: a smart? They lost me at counting down for twenty seconds. My gosh! If if by now a year and a half plus into this nonsense, if you don't wash your hands properly, that's not going to help. Yeah, it's not going to be worth fifty five bucks that's absurd
1: plus i mean it works with alexa but you know you don't have an alexa in your in your bathroom so you're gonna run into the bathroom to wash your hands and then you're gonna have to yell across the house alexa give me some soap <laughs> gonna... well
0: maybe you do have an alexa in your bathroom because you want her to tell you a story while you're on the throne or
1: C- cameron something. does when he goes to take a shower that's why you know i had to buy him a battery base or get him a battery base for his alexa because he unplugs it whenever it's time for the shower Brings it in there with the speaker. Because he's listening to his music during his shower. I told him he should be listening to the Into Tomorrow podcast, but... Why
0: doesn't he? He didn't want to listen to that. Because he's on it. (laughs) I know. I mean, you would think that he would want to be hearing himself on a regular basis anyway.
3: Call in, win stuff. Thank you.
0: Thank you, too, Cameron. But do you ever catch him singing in the shower? Yes. To the music that he's listening to? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, see, he wants to be in a
1: band or something one day, so maybe that'll—that's a good way to do it. I've often gone in to hear to, to, to ask him, "Who are you talking to?" And I realize that when I get closer, I hear. Then I hear the music, and he's just singing along with it. Oh. He's not talking to somebody. <laughs> good. Let the poor kid have him take his shower in peace
0: uh-huh. and and quiet. Well, maybe not so much quiet because he's blaring the uh, Amazon
1: speaker. Yeah. Mm. The sweeping federal antitrust case against Google has given rise to a significant fight over data held by Microsoft, and the company is now facing a subpoena for millions of documents that could shed light on its attempts to compete with Google's search engine. Having initially cooperated with prosecutors in building an antitrust case against Google, Microsoft could be obligated to produce millions more documents at the request of Google's defense team. Antitrust case against Google focuses on anti competitive behavior in search and search advertising, alleging, among other claims, that the company's exclusivity agreements on Android and iOS shut out competing search engines. Ooh. Which they do. We we know they do. Plus, you know, you always hear all these people, you don't get to the top without stepping on toes. And Google apparently loves to step on toes. They step on entire feet. Yeah. Google Assistant reportedly
0: is testing a fast checkout prompt, automatically filling out payment information and addresses to streamline the shopping experience. The feature appears to still be in the pilot stage, according to Android Police, but would be an interesting way to streamline your shopping. Lisa in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, listens to and we love it, subscribes and follows the Into Tomorrow podcast. Hey there.
3: We currently have an Xfinity set up here in our home, and we've been having some instability issues, wonky connection issues during the day. Initially, I thought it was because we now have three adults working from our home. However, I was on a Zoom call with my family, and I was the only one on it. And, of course, the same thing happened again. Mm -hmm. We do have a booster, but just doesn't seem to be helping with these instability issues. On our phones and on our computer, it shows that we have a strong signal. But, again, we're still experiencing either being kicked off some of these conference calling apps or being kicked out of our VPNs from the companies that we are working for. So any guidance, thoughts, prayers you have for us would be really helpful. (laughs) Thank you, Dave.
0: Well, you're welcome, Lisa. And unfortunately, if it's Xfinity, it's Comcast. So there's the biggest problem, I think. But the fact that you get kicked out of both Zoom and your VPN is telling. Zoom requires very low bandwidth to be able to work. If you had as little as half a megabit per second, you could probably use it without many issues. At least for voice calls, Zoom also tries to adjust the bandwidth and give you warnings in case there's trouble. Now, the VPN is an even more extreme case, virtual private network. It shouldn't care about speed at all, as long as your connection is still active. Both of those added to the fact that you see good signal strength on all your devices points to something that the booster won't be able to fix, a problem between the modem And the outside world.
1: Zoom and your VPN would both disconnect if their link to the outside world dropped. But the Wi-Fi signal would still stay the same because it's being generated from within your home. And that's not affected by whether or not there's an active Internet connection. Unfortunately, that leaves you with two possible issues, neither of which is easy to fix. The problem may be your home's wiring, for example, a bad connection somewhere between your modem and whatever Xfinity is using to reach the outside world, or worse yet, outside the walls of your home and somewhere in the run between Xfinity's switch and your driveway. Either way, you're probably going to need to have a tech come look at it and try to pinpoint where things are failing, and depending on how much work they want to put in, uh, it may not be simple to get it fixed.
0: Yeah, now before you try to talk to them and and talk them into believing that there's an issue with the physical network, you can try to get your modem replaced. It could just be failing and it could be the source of the problem now that would be easy enough to fix unplug the old one bring in the new one from them plug it in and we'll hopefully solve your issue if the problem is with the modem more details and show notes for you at intotomorrow.com we'll meet you there
4: i can't get my computer to work let me help you with that How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way. We'll help you instantly. Call 855-399-9886. That's 855-399-9886. to
0: Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in technology, all sorts of consumer tech, including gadgets and gizmos and, and products and services, just everything available to you today and into tomorrow. So we're delighted that you've joined us, and we appreciate that. We even appreciated more when you participate on the program, and that's very easy to do anytime, 24-7 at your convenience. Join us with any questions about tech, any concerns, some tech rage, if you will. Don't worry, we have the bleep button ready if necessary. Just express yourself and share with us your comments and concerns as it relates to anything involving tech. The easiest way is the 800 number toll free, of course, 800-899-INTO. That's 800-899-4686. Or you can now visit us at intotomorrow.com. Click on the little button on the lower right that says Ask Dave with a microphone. And you can ask us that way on any device with a browser and a microphone, of course. And then you can talk with us that way or the free Into Tomorrow app. Either way, so many easy ways to participate. We want to hear from you. Last month, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP. The mission of the Genesis 2 Project, known as G2P, is to investigate validated UAP recordings and question the implications on our national security. Here to talk with us about just that is former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg. Dr. J.C., welcome into tomorrow. How are you?
3: Thank you. I'm doing very well today.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. There's, of course, a whole lot of folks that I'm sure listening, and also we invite you to visit intotomorrow.com. You can see the actual interview with Dr. JC, and we've got some video and some still pictures and some things to show you. Uh, Skeptics, uh, of course, will look at it, kind of as I did. One of them, it's like, oh, come on, that's a bird. Uh, I watched one of the videos even when you slowed it down. But then again, it still made me wonder. So, this is one of the things we certainly want to talk about. But first, tell me about the, the general mission of the Genesis 2 project, if you would.
3: Well, when we started the Genesis 2 project, it really was because people have been seeing unidentified or unidentifiable objects and having experiences like this uh, throughout modern history. However, largely it's just been passed on by word of mouth you know and at that point you're really focused on the person who's telling the story and you're focused on their story there's no data there's no evidence that comes out of it they're just sharing their experience however documentation has really advanced you know almost all of us carry around a, a phone every day that phone has camera capabilities it has video capabilities and at that point people are starting to capture more and more UAP and that really just means things that we cannot identify. They are unidentified. We don't know what they are and we cannot explain them. But it's really reached a critical threshold with the amount of documentation. And I I think I remember reading in 2019, at that point, they were saying there were 1.8 billion images being uploaded every single day. You know, so, so part of those are going to be Recording things that people don't know what they are. And so at that point, now we actually have evidence. We have data. And once you have data, it can start to be scientifically assessed. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we started the Genesis 2 project, because we wanted to take this data. We wanted to make sure that it was forensically valid data. And then we wanted to be able to pursue a scientific study of What are these things?
0: Well, I'm wondering, Doctor, if uh, UFOs, unidentified flying objects, uh, became unidentified aerial phenomena, is there really any difference in that? I mean, why the name change?
3: Uh, The name change really came about, in my understanding, it really came about because the term UFO has been so solidified within the entertainment industry. Uh. And it's been so sensationalized. And so when you use the term UFO, the majority of people are going to think of little green aliens or the saucer that flies through the air. You know, it's it really had a and it got a negative connotation, a very fantastical um, conspiracy theory and the people who. Quote unquote believed in UFOs. They were the crackpots of society. And it, it marginalized the study and it marginalized actually that these things are out there. They're just unidentified. That's all it is. And so because of that popular, um, that popular conception of the term UFO, then we really needed to make a shift in the terminology to something else in order to segue society into the shift, a paradigm shift in the thinking about what these things are. So it's no longer, you don't go into this and say, there's something here, we can't explain it, it must be an alien. No, it's, you have to go into it saying, what is it? And to do that, you use the scientific process.
0: And, of course, that makes sense to me. I've said all along, I think probably all of my lifetime, that we can't be uh, so, uh, I guess, uppity to think we're the only intelligent, with air quotes, uh, life in the universe. So I- I'm wondering how that plays into your research and the kinds of work uh, that you guys are doing. Is it, is it a similar concern that there's got to be other life out there?
3: Well, of course, the question comes about of, okay, so you have something and it's here. So that's established. This exists. We don't know what it is. So what is it? That's the next question. So once you we can start with our with our current um, limitations of technology and knowledge, you start with the base that you have and then you start researching from that base. So what we can look at is we can look at at properties such as acceleration. We can look at. Uh, directionality. So you have something that's going in a straight line and making an immediate 90 degree turn, which as far as we know, according to our current physics and our current um, technology, that's not possible. Um, So we can start looking at those kinds of things. However, you're asking a very important deeper question, which is who made these things? Where are they from? Why are they here? What is their purpose? We have no idea what that is. We don't even have a place to start wondering about that or researching it. What we're hoping is that we can do scientific study to find out what with, what is within our capability to find out and to expand our knowledge and to learn. And at some point, we'll reach another critical threshold Well, maybe we'll be able to start figuring out now that we know more about them we can start we can start thinking about, well, what are they here for? Um, But that may be that may be longer down the line.
0: True and, and I can hear kind of my audience in my head saying what are they here for? They seem to just show up in trailer parks, uh, or <laughs> are they are they here to to uh, you know abduct and probe people? I mean, but I think as you said earlier, that seems to be more the entertainment side of things, the the, the bizarre uh, you know it, hard to believe because it is hard to believe kind of of entertainment value. I'm guessing uh, so it, it certainly makes me wonder about how you guys are. Are able to analyze some of the recorded UAP to make those differing concerns from that entertainment uh, aspect of it.
3: Well, the very the very first part of our scientific investigation approach is really uh, digital forensic analysis. So when an image is obtained. And it, it is a UAP. You don't know what it is, and that's why it's a UAP. At that point, we don't just take the image and say, oh, great, it's a UAP. Let's start researching this. Hmm. Like you said, it may be a bird. You know, <laughs> yeah. so... So what we what we have to do at that point is we do digital forensic analysis and we have chosen to use Primo Forensics. Um, They are one of the nation's leading forensic digital forensic analysis teams, and they use um, standards, rules and regulations that are used in the U.S. court system for any evidence that is given to the courts. So what 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 that involves is even the device that the picture was taken on. Say like the picture was taken on an iPhone, then they have to have that phone And they have to digitally assess that phone to make sure to get all of the GPS coordinates off of it, the timing, the settings of the camera itself, the aperture, because these are all things that can affect an image that actually comes out at the end. Uh So they do that first. The second thing they do is they look at the image itself, whether it be video, video or a still image. And they make sure that there's no digital signatures of any kind of manipulation. And manipulation typically we tend to think of as photoshopping, you know, adding something in or really making it. However, (laughs) manipulation is also changing the light very subtly to bring something out. That's still manipulation. So these need to be shown to be fully raw data files. No one has touched them. They have not been manipulated at all. And then the other aspect of what they do is they look at to see, because remember I said they have to examine the device itself and to find all of its settings and features. Because the thing is that we all know there are artifacts that are created by the technology itself, such as a lens flare from the sky. So not everything... It it could be a lens flare or it isn't. And we assess for that. That's part of what Primo Forensics does is they look to say, okay, this is not a lens flare. This is acting differently than a lens flare. Again, at the end of this, we come back with a digitally authenticated file at that point that we say, we don't know what this is. Let's look at it scientifically.
0: We're talking with Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg, Ph.D. and former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist, about their Genesis 2 project for unidentified aerial phenomena. And we'll be back with more as Into Tomorrow continues.
2: That's only $2 per pill and saves you almost $500 from your local pharmacy. Why wait? Call 888-914-4247 today and finally have those breathtaking toe-curling moments again and again. Call 888-914-4247 right now, and we'll rush your order discreetly packaged to your door. Just call 888-914-4247. That's 888-914-4247. Call 888-914-4247.
0: Thank you for joining us into tomorrow. We want you to visit us to see the video of this particular interview as well, where we're showing some pictures and videos of what they are identifying as unidentified aerial phenomena, what used to be known as UFOs, now UAPs. We're talking with, from Genesis 2 Project, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg. Have you been able to arrive at any conclusions uh, when looking at some of these things, even so far? Um, And and by conclusions, I'm not even sure if I know what I mean. but, But, you know, have you been able to ascertain anything in particular about any of these UAPs? pictures and videos and that sort of thing
3: well with g2p we have been in a four year we've been on a four-year journey of data collection that's what we've been doing and we literally have thousands of images mm-hmm. and we assess each of those first to see which ones are worth you know um, pursuing but then we do the digital forensic analysis we make sure that this is a bona fide image that this has validity and then we start looking at it scientifically um, at that point, we, this is such a new field and, you know, people are entering this physicist, technologist and looking at it. So there's no hard conclusions, because like you said, of course, the one thing everyone would love to know is why are they here? <laughs> you know, and there's no way we can get to that. So we're just barely starting to really look at this scientifically and to really figure out, like, what can this tell us? You know, because, for example, if we can figure out how looking at the way things are moving that is so different from the way that we know that's stimuli stimulating the scientific mind in all these different fields that we're working in um you know so if we see if we see something that goes against um the okay let me back up the main conclusions we're coming to at this point is we are seeing patterns and what i mean by that is we are not getting one type of vehicle in these thousands of photographs and and videos, this is not one vehicle. We are seeing hundreds of vehicles. And what that is suggesting to us is that this is not a prototype of some stealth bomber, for example, that's being tested in U S airspace or by a foreign entity. Um, One of my colleagues has pointed out that if, if it is a, um, a new technology that's being tested by another country they're very unlikely to be testing it over foreign soil where it can be photographed or intercepted you want to keep your stuff secret until it's done the other thing to think about is that because we're seeing hundreds of different types of vehicles with different types of capabilities that are unexplainable, that is also not a prototype. When you have a a physical prototype that you make and you need to test, you don't make hundreds. That's not cost effective. You only make one or two. And we're really seeing hundreds of different types. And then you start looking at the patterns of those different types. So for example, if you see a bird fly across the sky there's no bird that tumbles. Birds don't tumble in flight. And so we see things that you could say, like um, a naysayer could say, oh, that's a bird. And then you look closer. You just have to keep looking closer. And you think, okay, well, that's tumbling in the air. And this is not the exact shape of a bird, you know, and small things like that. And then you have physicists go in and they look at markers of the land, you know, so like a mountaintop or, or a jet, Um, you can look at the flight patterns of jets in that area at that point and figure out how far the distance was the jet was. Then you can estimate the size of the object that was near it. And at that point, by doing that, that math, you know, this wasn't the size of a bird. This was the size of something quite large or the size of the aircraft that it was nearby.
0: Gotcha. And of course, again, we invite our listeners to come to intotomorrow.com and see the video of some of these things that Dr. J.C. is talking about. I'm wondering, Doc, if if you have also reached out to astronauts, uh, American or any astronauts for that matter, uh, to kind of also get their take, because we hear occasionally that they see things that they can't explain either uh, while they're on the space station or something of that nature is has that entered into your research
3: not into g2p's research because those are being handled in-house you know by by their agencies that they're working with gotcha you. But- um yeah, some of them are speaking out, which is I think that's great because they are they are also reaffirming this is a daily occurrence. And these are reputable people, kind of like we said earlier, you know, this isn't happening in a trailer park or with a farmer. These are highly specialized people. These are experts in their field, and they're saying they have experienced this. you know, so it's it's bringing it, but that they're not, they're they're working in-house, if they have any kind of images, of course, that image is going to be Owned and it's going to be assessed by their agency, you know, because it is the, it's impacting them directly in that industry. So they're not going to share that outside of it, typically, um, you know, but then with with us, what we see it as is we see it as a very good thing because it's adding to the credibility of the people out there. This isn't just a crackpot who's saying something. There's a lot of unexplained things. Again, none of us know what they are.
0: Gotcha. And I guess the good thing about NASA is that unless it's uh, a national security issue of some sort, Images and videos are typically released. Uh, I know we use them regularly as well when we're doing This Week in Tech History about various things because NASA does make those things available to us. So maybe we can learn more along those lines as well. Uh, Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a Ph.D. with the Genesis, the number two project. Dot com And, of course, we'll get our audience uh, there when they visit us at intotomorrow.com. We invite everyone to come see these pictures and videos, just some of them, that we've been able to obtain uh, to share. And continued good work with whatever you guys are doing and the, the efforts that you are making to help identify some of these unidentified aerial phenomenon. We appreciate you spending a few minutes with us.
3: Thank you so much.
0: It's my pleasure. We're back with more as Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline at intotomorrow.com and back with more here on the Advanced Media Network. As Into Tomorrow continues, let's share another little tech tidbit for you. You know, when Play-Doh was first developed way back in the 1930s, it wasn't a toy. It was a way to clean wallpaper. And then folks realized, hey, wait a minute. This is kind of fun. So you can copy a comic strip or any number of things like that. Or you can s- stretch it. silly putty. We're talking oh, Play-Doh. Oh, silly putty. Well, then <laughs> what? who discovered what else Play-Doh could do? I don't know. Just build stuff, yeah. sort of, that would fall over. Yeah, whatever. You get the idea if you were a Play-Doh person. I wasn't around in 1930. I don't know. But thanks really? for tuning
1: into to Tomorrow. Glad to have you with us. Oh, by the way, I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Dexcom. Always know where your glucose is headed and how fast. Visit Dexcom.com. It's time for our history major.
0: IFA is
2: one of the largest and oldest tech shows in the world. Oh, this look back at IFA's historical. Here's Chris Grave line. line, line, line.
1: When, when the DVD was introduced in the mid '90s, it was first used for data storage, as its capacity was five times higher than that of a CD. Let's get nuts! In 1997, the first DVD burners for PCs came to the market, followed by the first consumer DVD players, which had their world premiere at the International Funkausstellung in 1997 known today as IFA. Oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. Movie content was protected by regional codes and copy protection, and the quality was perfect even in multiple copies.
4: Was it as good for you as it was for me?
1: It was, even from the very first time. this That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Very cool, and
0: we will be visiting them in person next year. This year, they decided not even a virtual event for whatever reason, but next year. Tech is back. And so are we. And so are we. And so is IFA. And we hope, because this particular show is open to the public, very unusual, because CES is never open to the public, and most other industry tech trade shows are not open to the public. It's only for buyers and media analysts and and us-type folk and all that. But IFA is always open to the public. So if you want to plan a nice trip, come on, by this time next year, we all ought to be back to, air quotes, normal. And you should be able to travel, hopefully not have to wear a mask for eight hours to Europe. Plan on joining us at IFA. So ifa-berlin.com, as Chris mentioned, and plan to join us. Stop by our broadcast booth and we'll get you a refreshing beverage, even an adult beverage if you'd like. Because they provide us with a bunch of German beer and sodas and juices and waters and and whatnot. It's very sure. easy to participate. It is and join us there. The cool into tomorrow, hot. Summer Giveaway. Oh, talking about participating. That gets you prizes like the things we're about to mention. While no promises or guarantees, we want to know from you when you call in what you would prefer. Mention three or four of the items if you'd like, and we'll do our darndest to get one of them to you. For example, you may want the Audio-Technica QuietPoint Wireless Active Noise Cancelling In-Ear Headphones. They're
1: worth 200 bucks. If you've got problems with your cell service in your car, uh, WeBoost has provided a few of their dry- sleek in-vehicle cell phone signal boosters. Uh, We've also got from TypeWise, if you're an Android user, uh, promo codes for a lifetime subscription to the TypeWise custom keyboard for Android devices. How about a $700 item from Vox Electronics? It's their
0: 10.1 high-res in-vehicle digital smart TV overhead monitor
1: system. Whoo! That's what it's called, all in one breath. And it's from Vox V-O-X-X. Very cool. Car Keys Express. We've got key and remote replacement kits for many popular vehicles if you are like me and lose your keys. Uh, Catalyst provided a box full of stuff including total protection cases for iPhone 12 models, Influence rugged cases for iPhone 12, and Impact Protection Apple Watch cases. Some of the most popular items requested are
0: from LFO, their eTherm infrared ear and forehead thermometer. They sent us several of those to share with you. And this one very important piece of mind to busy parents and grandparents. Save your child or grandchild their eclip baby car seat alarms so you won't forget your child i know you say who could ever do that unfortunately it happens happened here in south florida again just a week ago sad
1: We've got several clear-up microcurrent devices to relieve congestion from colds, flus, and allergies with carrying cases, all from Tivic Health. And Yamaha has provided an SHS500 sunogenic keytar and an EA-10 drum module to transform acoustic drum sounds with studio quality effects. And then you may be asking, wow, that's a lot of very cool stuff. How do I get any of those? Well, Chris is about to tell you. Stay tuned and listen. All you have to do is participate on the show by letting us hear you. And how do you do that? Well, that's a good question. Well, I'm glad you asked it. it. You could call the Ask Dave hotline anytime, 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. You could use the free Into Tomorrow app and click that message to studio button to send your question, your comment, your help for another listener to us. Or you can stop by IntoTomorrow.com on any device with a browser and a microphone and click the Ask Dave microphone. There you go. It's a
0: little microphone and says Ask Dave next to it, usually on the bottom right or on the right-hand side of your browser, depending on what device you're using, and join us that way. If you use that method, where a lot of people are these days, please be sure to tell us where you're joining us from and how you hear the show. It's very helpful when you do that. Joe in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, thank you, Joe, listens online and to our free Into Tomorrow podcasts. Hi, Dave. I have a Windows 10 computer with the newest version of Windows 10 on it, and I don't know why, but my computer won't go into sleep mode anymore. I can leave it alone for a whole day, and the next day it's still
4: on. I don't know what caused that or how to fix it. Uh, Can you help on that?
0: Well, we'll do our best, Joe. The first thing you should check is of course the official power settings you can open up your start menu and then type power options that should allow you to see if there's any plans selected and also let you change those specific settings within any of those plans for example the time to dim or the time to sleep the display now if that doesn't yield any hints initially it's possible that there's some piece of
1: software or hardware interfering with the sleep functionality. Yeah, to detect those, you can open the command line prompt by opening the start menu and typing in CMD. Once you're in the command line, you can type in PowerCFG, dash requests that will show you all of the programs that have altered the power settings. You can also type in PowerCFG dash last wake to see what program last woke up the computer. Now, don't worry about remembering all that. Just stop by into Tomorrow.com and we'll have it all there for you. Just look up the show for this weekend, the weekend of August 6th, the hour three of the show, and these steps will be spelled out there for you. Uh, once you know what's been keeping Windows awake, you can go into their settings and see if there's an option to keep the computer awake. If the culprit is a driver, you may have to open the device manager to find it. You can also access it via a search. Just type it in in device manager. So,
0: Joe, I know that there's a lot of steps. Again, as Chris mentioned, visit us at intotomorrow.com. Look for this weekend show, Friday, August 6th, Hour 3. Your call and our answer with all the show notes are there for you. It's one of them peculiar things that isn't just an easy fix necessarily, but hopefully... The things that we listed for you will help you a lot. Again, intotomorrow.com.
4: Tell us the deductibles you prefer, the doctors you want to see, and if you want prescription drug coverage. The service is free and you have no obligation. You may even find plans with zero monthly plan premiums, zero copays on many services, and zero deductibles. You deserve every medical care coverage benefit out there and we'll help you get them. Call 800 901 5093. That's 800 901 5093. 800 901 5093. And let Best Medicare do the work. For you.
0: As Into Tomorrow continues, death by PowerPoint is a term relating to the intense boredom of useless PowerPoint presentations there's a good reason to not have to go back into the office to work and hopefully continue to work from home because if there's a PowerPoint presentation you're having to view remotely, maybe you can sleep through it. No one would know. Yeah. Or at least pretend you're paying
1: attention. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. You don't need to be tech savvy to record and publish your own podcast. It'll be easy for most Into Tomorrow listeners. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to com and find out how. There you go. We do an occasional email. We'd rather hear
0: you. And, of course, emails don't qualify for the summer giveaway. So you might want to keep that in mind. We'd rather hear you. On the air. It is radio, after all. But Dan in Windsor, Ontario, who used to listen on a radio station until they decided to prostitute their weekends and just sell all their time. We don't buy time on radio stations. We have a quality program that stations take for free. That's how that works. Anyway,
1: Dan sends the following email. Says, can you help me out? How can I record from a digital antenna without having to use a USB or the Internet or a hard drive? Is there anything like a VCR I can buy to record on? Why can't they just update the VCR?
0: Well, Dan, you're not likely to get an updated VCR as companies stopped making them many years ago. There was one company in Japan that was the last known manufacturer of VCRs,
1: and even they stopped making them back in 2016. Yeah, Since then, a small company called Rad VCR has popped up in California that claims to now be making a combo VCR DVD recorder. We've tried several times to reach out to them and have yet to get a response. So if we, as a national radio show, are having trouble getting them to respond, I wouldn't put too much trust into what they're doing. Uh, these days, your only practical option for recording TV is with a DVR, which does the same as a VCR used to do. It just records to a hard drive or the cloud rather than to a tape.
0: Now, you may want to look at the Tableau DVRs, as well as offerings from other less specialized companies like Channel Master and even TiVo. Tableau does basically what you want. DVRs like you'd get with cable companies. Some work with cable, but most are made for over-the-air broadcasts. That's what they've been doing since day one. Their devices do have hard drives, but you don't need to worry about the hard drive. Just start the video the way you would with any DVR, and you're all set. Tableau DVRs start at around $150 for the TV-connected version. They also sell network-connected devices, but that's likely not what you're in the market
1: for. Yeah, TiVo also sells over-the-air models. Models. Their TiVo Edge for antenna will cost you around 250 bucks, or you can pay less and pay about $7 a month for their service. But the Channel Master OTA DVR will cost around $350, and it's not much different than what you'd get with the other two. In fact, Channel Master used to have a deal with TiVo for their devices, so you can probably expect a pretty similar experience. Yeah.
0: More details and all those show notes for all three hours are available at intotomorrow.com.
2: Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. To participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7...